Lord, may the, the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you this day. Just rain your presence down. Break the bonds. Set us free. Amen. There is a book that is called Looney Laws. It's, it's as good as the title says. Uh, there are different references in here. I'm going to share a few of them with you. In Ottumwa, Iowa, it is unlawful for any male within the corporate limits of the city to wink at any female person with whom he is unacquainted. In Los Angeles, you cannot bathe two babies in the same tub at the same time. In Zion, Illinois, it's illegal for anyone to give lighted cigars to dogs, cats, and other domesticated animals kept as pets. In Carmel, New York, a man cannot go outside, and guys pay attention to this, a man can't go outside while wearing a jacket and pants that do not match. In Gary, Indiana, persons are prohibited from attending a movie house or other theater and from riding a public streetcar within four hours of eating garlic. In St. Louis, it's illegal to sit on the curb of any city street and drink alcohol from a bucket. In Hartford, Connecticut, you aren't allowed to cross the street while walking on your hands. And in Michigan, a woman isn't allowed to cut her hair without her husband's permission. <laughs> Jennifer, you want some help on that one? <laughs> in Baltimore, it's illegal to throw bales of hay from a second-story window within the city limits, and it's also illegal to take a lion to the movies. You know, this, this goes on... Um, we have laws for a reason. We have laws for a purpose, just like parents have rules for their children and expectations of their children. When they, they set a curfew for their kids, they're looking out for them because they love them. And they want to be able to get sleep at night, knowing that everybody's safe and under the roof that they're supposed to be under. We don't always like the laws, and sometimes they're silly. Sometimes they're very well-meaning, um, but they are there, and they serve a purpose. And one of the, the pieces of our faith, if you read through the Old Testament, is the law that's set forth. And Christ comes to fulfill the law, not to just, like, kick it to the curb and say, this doesn't matter anymore, but he comes to fulfill it. And he comes to fulfill and bring a law of grace and a law of hope and one that doesn't leave us a prisoner to sin and to death. In 2 Corinthians 3.17, we read, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's one tiny verse in all of Scripture. But oh, the punch it packs. <laughs> um, it is just absolutely amazing. 
And in America, when we celebrate our independence, we shoot off the fireworks, we picnic, we have watermelon, we listen to music. We, um, I can remember last year down at Noonan High School, um, a bunch of us were down there and, and the kids were pulling each other around in the radio flyer wagons and you know, eating Italian ice and all these wonderful things. But I wonder if we really understand or understood what freedom truly is. We live in a world that um, keeps us in bondage. One where everywhere we turn, there is a temptation. There's an easy way out. There's um, a way that, that may steer us away from the path that, that God has for us because it's easier or because it looks like it's more fun. And hopefully we grow out of some of that as we age and, and mature um, and hopefully we are able to teach others what it means to live in a way that is free but within that framework that, that God has for us because he loves us. My parents always set rules for me and I didn't always like them. But I was telling my dad just um, Friday how much I appreciated the fact that he did that for me. And he said, you never would have said that to me when you were 16. I'm glad you've grown up. <laughs> Three times that now. So, um, In Galatians 5.13, Paul writes, You brothers were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Our nation has been given great gifts of freedom. It's, it's also been given great liberty and with liberty and freedom becomes responsibility that is demanding and nurturing and all those things and sometimes it's just easier to go the other way. Um, freedom comes with a gift of the spirit that allows great things to happen. I have a friend who was a youth director at Rockville United Methodist. Um, this was several years ago. And he was new there. He's 21. And he comes in, first ministry job. And he is going to change the world with that one youth group. And he probably did because some of them have gone on to do great things. But as he sat there and they began to, to talk about fundraising for the mission trip, he said, okay, so what are we going to charge for y'all to wash the cars? He said, I'm thinking $5. There was an experienced youth chaperone um, who was in the group of the youth council, and he said, hold on just a minute. He says, we don't need to charge anything. My friend is like, wait a minute, we want money for the trip. What do you mean we don't charge anything? He said, give people the freedom to do what they want to do. And the objection was, they're going to take advantage, we're not going to get money, we're not going to, and, and, and he said, trust me, I know this is your first time out, just, just trust me, trust God, set this free and let God take it. Well, they washed 200 cars, who's good with math? 200 times 5, 1,000, thank you Luke. By the time they got done, they had close to 
not charging anything because they simply just let the Spirit work. Sometimes we want to put a boundary and a parameter, and sometimes it's because we think it's acceptable and we don't want to charge people too much for something when we're doing a fundraiser or something like that, but when we open it up and let people give and let the Spirit work through them, amazing things can happen. Our hope is anchored in Christ, our Savior, and as we um, begin to look for the way that he would have us to take, to be free, truly free, we have to take a look at where we are. Are we as a church more of an institution, or are we a movement of the way? Are we seeking merely to perpetuate ourselves and our existence, or are we seeking to proclaim the message of good news? Which one will set people free? When we become inwardly focused instead of outwardly focused, we put a block in the way. Jesus calls us out on that. He called the disciples out on that. He called the, the people that he went to minister to out on that. And he said, I'm going to challenge you. Set down the restrictions and go and do in my name. Get out there. Don't take for granted that somebody's heard it. Don't take for granted, granted that someone has what they need. Ask the question. Love them, feed them, clothe them, teach them, tell them your story. We're in a world that is hungry for the word and it is, it is bound by things that cause them not to feel that presence of God that is always there, no matter who you are. God meets you where you are but he won't leave you there. Amen? There are times when we stand on the sidelines and we are called to jump into the game. There are calls, times when we are called to step up and do an evaluation. And, and sometimes we're harder on ourselves in that regard than we need to be. Um, friend of mine who's a professor was doing an experiment with his class and he said you know we're going to learn about freedom and so he gave them the lesson and he he talked to them and he he presented the retreat they did the retreat and when they got done they said okay so how are we graded and he says you get to grade yourselves and they're like wait a minute they said we get to grade ourselves and he said yeah but you got to take it seriously well they all graded themselves and he graded them, and he put the papers side by side, and their grade was about two letter grades below where he had them. And he said, why are you so hard on yourselves? And they said, oh, I made this mistake and that mistake and the other mistake. And he says, did you learn something today? They said, yeah. And he said, take that and go with it. You are capable. You have been given the skills. You are about to be set free in a classroom. Trust yourself. 
Trust that the instruction you have been given will guide you. Trust that the, the words that you have um, composed for your lessons, for your students, will go through. He asked them what all they learned, and he says, y'all went beyond my expectations. And all I had to do was give you some freedom with responsibility. As Christians, we have great freedom through Christ, but it comes with responsibility. It comes with great um, sacrifice sometimes. In our country, we know of many tales of sacrifice in the midst of fighting for that freedom. We've, we've partaken in, in world wars, we've partaken in, in engagements all around the world, and we do so with the purpose of helping another to be free and have a voice. A doctor in Nazi Germany wrote the following poem prior to World War II. I think it's one we ought to hear. In Germany, they first came for the communists. I didn't speak up because I was a communist. Then they came for the Jews. I didn't speak up because I was a Jew. They came for the trade unionist, and I didn't speak up because I was a trade unionist. They came for the Catholics, and I didn't speak up because I was Protestant. Then they came for me. By that time, there was no one left to speak up. When will we speak up? How do we know that the person we meet as we go into the Waffle House for a meal, the person who's sitting on the curb, sitting there, you know, in ragged clothes, how do we know that's not the moment that they need to hear something that happened to me the other day. I spoke to the lady and I went in and, um, and I, had, I had a conversation with her about where she was and she said, and the waitress told me, she said, nobody talks to her. Why did you talk to her? And I said, because she's a, she's a human being. She, you know, she smiled at me, I smiled back, we had a conversation. We're in the South. She said, <laughs> And she, she said, nobody talks to her. She said, I know who she is. And I, and I said, well, I'll tell you what. I said, if she ever needs a meal, I said, you call me. I gave her my card. And she said, why would you do that for a complete stranger? And I said, because Jesus did something for me when I didn't deserve it either. Now, I'm not saying that to get y'all to pat me on the back. I'm saying that to say... In our mundane errands, our mundane desire to go get a waffle and hash browns and scrambled eggs, we can have the opportunity to teach someone about Christ. I found out when the lady goes to Waffle House, and I'm probably going to pop in down there just to learn more about who she is. Because it just, it, it, it tore me up that nobody would speak to her. We are, we are called as Christians to have a passion and an intensity to our faith, to turn things around, and it requires us to, to do those things that are demanded of the freedom. You know, that we're, we're told time and time again 
that to whom much is given, much is expected. And that's the absolute truth. You know, I can remember um, growing up in 4-H, and I can remember being elected to a leadership position, and I thought, this is cool. We get to call the shots, all eight of us up here. And somebody very quickly said, you get to do the work. Whoa, 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 whoa. You know, we just, we want to be up front and have fun. They said, you get to do the work. And they said, let's get through this first district rally and then you'll see what we're talking about. (laughs) And they were right. And we got to do the work. And if you're not willing to, to be a servant, it'll break you as a leader. We are called as Christians to pray. Paul, in writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2, tells him to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And part of that requires prayer and study of Scripture and fellowship and getting together and worshiping and singing songs of praise and living in a way that you stop for the little things because you never know. I have a friend that I saw at annual conference who is 53. And I was in a hurry being head teller. And I would, I would love to go back to that moment right now because he, he had a heart attack and he died on Friday. And I told him, I said, we'll catch up later. And we will. We'll catch up later. But I really wish that I had taken time for him. We don't know from one day to the next what the plan is for us whether we're still going to be here, whether we're going to be walking the streets of heaven, what it's going to be. But because the Spirit is alive and well in us, through the grace of Jesus Christ and the goodness of God, we have the ability to walk freely every single day and make the most of every minute we have. We are called to praise God to be responsible, to, to, to pay our debts, to give honor to others, to praise God, to find the good and build the bridges rather than fences. A bridge is a whole lot easier to get over. We are called to persuade people by our actions. In 1 Peter 2.12, it says, Always let others see you behaving properly, even though they may still accuse you of doing wrong. Then on the day of judgment, they will honor God by telling the good things they saw you do. In Acts 26, 28, and 29, Agrippa and Paul were having a conversation, and Agrippa asked Paul, In such a short time, do you think you can talk me into being a Christian? Paul answered, Whether it takes a short time or a long time, I wish you and everyone else who hears me would become like me, except, of course, that is for these chains. And he wasn't meaning he wanted them to be Paul, but he wanted them to be like him and know Christ as Savior, as Lord, as Redeemer, as Deliverer. It's not a theme that is uncommon to us as Americans. 
Historically, we have time and time again been called to be a light for our nation, for other nations. We hear it in the words of Abraham Lincoln in a speech from 1863. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. Robert E. Lee, in that same era, said, we poor sinners need to come back from our wanderings to see pardon through the all-sufficient merits of our Redeemer, and we need to pray earnestly for the power of the Holy Spirit to give us a precious revival in our hearts and among the unconverted. I don't know about y'all, but I think America stands in need of revival. I think we have for a while. I think our churches stand in need of revival. I think we all stand in need of revival regardless of where we are in our walk today. There is revival that God has in store for us. Um, you know, it's amazing. Just when you think God has put you where you're going to be, <laughs> he knocks it up a notch. And I love it when he does. Sometimes he knocks you up a notch by telling you no. And sometimes the answer is slow down. And sometimes the answer is I need for you to grow a little bit. And then there's the go answer. It's hard to pay attention to those. But with the freedom to follow comes the responsibility to listen and discern, to walk, to witness, to serve, to pray. To be a light for our nation without the light of Christ is to be a darkness, a dimly lit bulb. My prayer is that we find the grace of God that we need, that as we celebrate America's independence and freedom on just two days from now, that we not only think about what it is as a luxury to be able to come and to stand, to sit in a church and to worship, but to know the true freedom that God offers. We take worship for granted sometimes, I think. I'm going to close with this. My sister and I were talking on, on Friday, and we were at my dad's, and we, um, we were talking about Fourth of July, and she said, what are you preaching this Sunday? And I, I was telling her, and she says, well, I'm going to tell you my favorite Fourth of July sermon. And I said, okay, tell me about it. 
She said the pastor came in and, and said they had gotten through the service, they had had the offering, the pastor gets up to preach, and all of a sudden, military and policemen start coming in. And they said, an, is an order has just been issued. Now, this is an exercise. But they said, an order has just been issued that you can no longer gather and assemble and worship the God of your choice. You have to leave this facility. This facility can no longer be occupied. You no longer have the right to come and worship. You need to leave. And they walked everybody out of the building, and people had their hands up, and they're like, wait just a minute. And he said, this is what it could be like when they got outside. He said, praise God, it isn't. Because the Spirit has set us free. The Spirit has given us discernment and wisdom and grace. Let us not take another Sunday for granted. Let us not take another moment to worship God at a sunrise or a sunset or the time when we talk to somebody on the street that we might not otherwise talk to. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we come to your table, table of grace, we come before you seeking your will and, and your wisdom, and we just ask that you would pour yourself out on these elements of bread and juice, that, that this day we would know that freedom that comes through the sacrifice that you've given for us. You told your disciples when you broke bread at that last supper that this was representative of the breaking of your body, that we as one loaf um, would gather, and that as one loaf through you, we would be redeemed. Your son broke that bread, and he gave you thanks, and he, he asked us to take it in and to remember. And he raised that cup, and he, he asked for your blessing on that cup, symbolic of the new covenant that he would make through the shedding of his blood, the giving of his life, that we would be forgiven of our sins, and also that we would remember that through his resurrection, we too would have eternal life. So we come and we ask your blessing on each and every one of us here, on this feast before us, on our lives as we leave this place, and as we travel on our country and on all the nations of the world, that there would be peace, there would be hope, and there would be freedom. Amen.